says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear heavenly father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe... Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. With the platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away, because ultimately, you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just, um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean... Even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, 
It's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. That hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them, and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Allow me to produce character when you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah. But you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. chisel away just just be prepared for what you're going to find in there because I know who's inside there because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see because deep inside there this 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 little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult and I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. 
And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just went, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at this as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy... Is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. God don't make junk. 
Uh, some of you saw that video a couple years ago, but it fits so well in this series that I wanted to use it again. Um, you are God's masterpiece. God loves you. He's always loved you. He will continue to love you forever and ever. You're his masterpiece. But you're not to, meant to be a standalone uh, work of art. Uh, we're in the second week of a message series based on a passage of Scripture from 1 Peter 2.5 that says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. God is building this spiritual house, and his intention is to place each of his masterpieces, like living stones, into this spiritual house that he is building for spiritual purposes. And last week we talked about what this spiritual house looks like, what's essential to a spiritual house. And the first thing is that Jesus Christ has to be the cornerstone. He's the one that it's all built on. He's the one that holds it all together. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Peter describes him as the living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen by God and precious to him that God has placed as the cornerstone of the church. He's the cornerstone of our lives. He's the one that we're to build everything on. The other two essentials are the presence of the Holy Spirit and prayer. You cannot have a spiritual church without the Holy Spirit's presence and prayer. And uh, this last week we started a prayer and praise service um, here we had the first one uh, here at the church, and I believe that God is calling us to a season of prayer, which is a wonderful thing because when God calls you to pray, his Holy Spirit will tell you what to pray, and that opens the door to the things that God wants to do in your church and in your life. So uh, we've started these services. I encourage you to come there. The schedule is printed there on the back of your message notes this coming week. It's at Bellevue. It will be the same service that we did here this week. But we also have a prayer service here on Wednesday at 9. If you don't work, you're welcome to come and be a part of that. God is always at work in the church. And the purpose of this series is to encourage and equip each one of us to join God in what he's doing. And during this series, we're going to be looking at some ways that each of us can be more intentional about joining God in the work that he's doing right now in this church. And this series is an invitation to look up. Uh, we talked about that last week, to be in prayer with and for the church. And then the other three essentials are to show up, to join up, and to reach out, to join in and to reach out. And if you look at these, you might notice that they correlate with our membership Vows. When you become a member of the church, the commitment is to faithfully participate in the ministry of the church by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service. We're going to talk about both of those under join in and your witness. And you know, I know some of you have taken that step to become members and others, others of you aren't there yet. Uh, so don't get hung up on whether you're a member or not because these things are not something that the United Methodist Church, you know, just pulled out of the thin air, out of thin air. These are um, commitments that we're called to by God to uh, fulfill as members of the body of Christ. These are things that are essential to every healthy, growing church. And a healthy church 
is made up of living stones that show up, that look up, show up, join in, and reach out. And this week I'm going to talk about what a difference we can make in a church when we're committed, whether you're a member or not, to showing up. And the key takeaway for the message this week is there is a difference between signing up and showing up. Can I get an amen? Amen. Has anybody ever tried to organize anything for sports event, Girl Scouts, any kind of an event, and you have people sign up and then they don't show up? There's a difference between signing up and showing up. There are spouses who are raising children by themselves because someone signed up and then stopped showing up. And there's a difference between saying, here I am, Lord, send me, and actually going when he sends us. Jesus told a parable about this once. It's found in Matthew 21, 28 through 31. Excuse me. Where it says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. So you got one son who says, sure, dad, I'll be right there. And then he gets busy with something else and he doesn't go. And the other son who says, ah, dad, you know, I'm on level 57 in my video game. I can't quit right now. But then as he gets playing and he thinks about his dad out there in the vineyard and he wants to be with him and he... He gets up and he puts down the controller and he goes out to the vineyard. And you can kind of imagine the dad's, the joy on his dad's face when he sees his son coming across the field knowing that he had given up something to show up because he loved him enough to do that. And God gets that same pleasure when we show up to serve or to worship him. Showing up uh, makes all the difference. This is Memorial Day weekend. And we are honoring those who showed up after they signed up, even when it meant that they would give up their life. So um, showing up, when we show show up, um, it's different than just signing up. And I'm not talking about, you know, showing, just simply showing up in worship. I'm talking about showing up in your devotion time, showing up in the house of a friend when they need help, showing up in the places where God sends you throughout the week. When we show up, we get built up, and so does the church. This is a spiritual house being built by God. And so this morning we're going to look at three beautiful outcomes that we can expect when we show up. So if you want to pull out your message notes, I'm going to talk about these three outcomes. The first is that we get stoked up and grown up in Jesus Christ. Peter says that... Uh, We are living stones being built into a spiritual house. And that is being built into. It's a process that we are going through. And the church is one of the primary tools that God uses to chisel and shape us into living stones for his spiritual house. It's in community with others. um, Some who require extra grace. Uh, not, not in this church, of course. You'd have to go to another church for that. But they teach us about patience and forgiveness 
and others who are further along in their faith, who we look at and we can uh, get inspired, and they help us to see what it looks like when somebody is living their life fully committed to Jesus Christ. And it's through that kind of community that we grow to maturity in Christ. Look at Ephesians 4, 11. It says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You cannot be a living stone if you are not growing and developing. Any biology majors? One of the essentials, there you go, essentials of a living being is the, uh, one of the five essentials is that it is growing and developing. Right, Connor? All right. And so you have to be growing and developing. And the church is God's provision to help us do that. It's a place that we are grown up, but it's also a place that we get stoked up. Uh, When you read the New Testament, you get a picture of a church that was exciting. They were growing in their faith as they reached out to the world. People were being healed in dramatic ways. Uh, Lives were being changed. Angels were showing up and letting people out of prison. And and, uh, people who worshipped other gods were tossing out their idols and uh, coming to the center of town and throwing all their witchcraft books in a pile and and setting them on fire. The church was full of life. It was making an impact in the world around it. And God has created the church to be a place to fuel your faith, a place where your faith gets stoked up. Uh, I looked up stoke, a definition of it this week. I wanted to make sure I was using it because <laughs> we, we all know another way. But definition of stoked, to poke, stir up, and feed a fire, to supply with fuel. And when we come together, our faith gets fed. The fire gets flame, fanned into flame again. And when you don't show up, then it's like an ember or a coal that gets pulled out of the fire, and it soon gets cold and goes out. I was thinking about, imagine someone who says that they love basketball or swimming or music, but they never actually play basketball. Uh, You don't fuel passion by sitting around reading a book about um, people who sink baskets. You fuel your passion by going to the ball court or jumping in the water. You have to get around people who love basketball and who love swimming. And, you know, it's great to play an instrument, but it's different to play an instrument by yourself and to play it in a band. When you show up in worship and you show up to serve in the community... God uses those things to stir up faith and to supply fuel for the week ahead of you. And as we worship together and do life as followers of Jesus Christ, as we hear what God is doing in other people's life, it fuels our passion. It helps us to fall deeper in love with God again, and it grows us to maturity in faith in Christ. When you show up, you grow up, you get stoked up. And the second thing, the church gets built up. You know, um, we live in a me culture that wants us to believe that everything is about us, that we're the center of it all. I'm, I'm a Mac user, and I 
I think Apple is great. It's a you know, wonderful computer and all that. But Apple is all about I, you know, yeah, iPhoto, iMovie, iChat, iPads, iPods, iPhones. And the fact of the matter is that in the Apple world, I comes before everything else. And it's great software, but here's the thing. We live in an I-first society. And the danger for all of us is in an I-culture that we can easily find ourselves living I-lives, becoming I-moms and I-dads who do go to I-jobs and raise I-children who spend their days listening to iTunes on their iPods with their I-friends and never have an idea what they're really here for. God created each of us with a purpose, and there's much more to life than an I-life. And as followers of Jesus Christ, God wants us to use our gifts and abilities and resources to, uh, for more than ourselves. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I, you know, I was thinking about that word manifestation. That's not a word we use a lot, is it? <laughs> I try to work it into a sentence or something. <laughs> it's not something that we're very familiar with, but what it basically means that God has chosen to make his wonderfulness and his power known through us. Uh, he enables each believer to do one or more specific tasks with his supernatural enabling. So the Holy Spirit manifests or shows off God's compassion through this person. And he gives another person the gift of faith so that he can show off his power to move mountains. And he puts God's ability to order things, the gift of administration in in someone else to display um, that in that person. These enablings or these manifestations of the Spirit in us are called spiritual gifts. And God gives each of us at least one spiritual gift, not for our own glorification, but for the building up of his church. They're given to us for the common good. And when we show up in worship and serve in our community, to, or we teach the children in the kids' time, or we help fold bulletins, thank you for the people that fold our bulletins and stuff them every week. God builds up his church. When we show up, others get built up. Kids learn about God's love. And those who are going through difficult stuff get comforted. People with physical needs in our community get fed and clothed. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Whoops. Now all of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you are a separate and necessary part of it. We need each other. You're necessary part of God's body, the building that God is creating. God's house gets built up as we show up. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you have nothing to contribute. Don't tell yourself that. It's not the truth. That's not what God's word says. All of us together are necessary to make a church. You're all needed. Keep showing up. Because when you do, you get built up, the church gets built up, and Jesus gets lifted up. Our uh, memory verse last week was from 1 Peter 2, 5. It was the first half of that verse. And this week we're going to memorize the rest of the verse. So if you memorize the first half, 
you should be halfway there. But let's read it together. Second Peter 2, 5. And you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 5. God has a purpose for building this spiritual house. He's, we're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. I'm going to say more about what those spiritual sacrifices are next week, but one of the beautiful outcomes when we show up in worship is that Jesus Christ gets lifted up. Uh, Peter says this just a few verses down from the passage that we just read. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God is so worthy of praise. He's taken us out of the darkness. He's brought us into the light of his kingdom, of his son, Jesus Christ. And he's worthy of praise. Jesus is worthy of worship. And when we show up, the Holy Spirit leads us and helps us declare the praise of Jesus Christ. He gets lifted up. God gets glorified. God is at work in our church right now. And, and we don't want to lose the momentum that God is building. So I want to encourage each of you over the summer when it's so tempting to stay home, sleep in, go mow the lawn, go to the beach to um, remember that you are not a standalone masterpiece, but you're part of a spiritual building that God is building right now. You matter. And, you know, I want to thank you for all the ways that you have showed up in the past, and you've served, and you've worshipped, and, and I want to thank you ahead of time for showing up in the weeks ahead as we see what God is going to unfold in our church. Because when you show up, you get stoked up, the church gets filled up, and Jesus gets lifted up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for all of the people who have showed up in the past. Thank you for everyone who is showing up today and is a part of what you're doing. Oh, we're excited about it, God. We are anxious to see what you'll do. God, please, we pray, pour out your spirit on us. Pour, pour out your spirit on your church. Do what you want to do here amongst us. Help us to get out of the way. Help us to show up and be committed and, and uh, to not give up, God. I know that you want to do great things here, and we're, we're looking to you for it, asking for it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right.